This is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already know. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast, season eight, episode 46. I'm John DiCarlo, the editor of OwlScoop.com. I've got Javon Edmonds and Declan Landis with me. This week, everybody else is off. Their whereabouts are mostly unknown, but we feel like they're they're probably somewhere enjoying themselves. Maybe, maybe Kyle and Johnny and Ramir are all and Caden are all like hanging out, and they didn't tell us. Would that be awkward? Would we be happy for them? What would how would we feel about that? Caden's at work right now at his dad's restaurant. You're not sticking with the narrative, Javon. The, the truth. I'd, no. I'd be jealous. I'm now, not. I'm not happy. No, 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 no. I was going to go with now <laughs> that leaves Kyle, Johnny, and Ramirez to be together at the moment. And uh, you know, if I weren't invited to that party, yeah, I'm with Declan. I, I, I'd be sour grapes. You know. Yeah, yeah. That's certainly a group that would be a lot more fun than hanging out in my room. You know, at five o'clock on Friday. Yeah. We Kyle, Kyle, and Ramirez probably just heckling johnny the bat boy at this point right oh yes they oh they'd give johnny the business johnny got more more air time and the tigers dug out well deserved it, those fighting fills winners of five in a row so weird the team is so weird it doesn't make baseball, sense man. it's baseball baseball is not supposed to make sense that's very true Should we throw around some some baseball cliches before we get into these temple owls and in our interview with jaleel white or are we good hey three strikes you're out <laughs> that's good i can't top that one javon you have some good news for us do you not yes i do um i'm I'm starting a new job on monday at the messenger as a breaking news reporter sticking in sports thank you thank you thank go. you and and to all of those who have reached out on twitter asking the same question no i'm not leaving the scoop anytime soon my presence will always be felt around these parts there we go Wow. And Declan, you have what, three semesters left at Temple? Three semesters left. And you have, you're going to be busy next year too. Why don't you tell everybody what else you're going to be doing in addition to Al Scoop? Well, I mean, if you insist. Where does he I, start? Yeah, really. Um, I will be the general manager at WHIP Radio, Temple Student Run Radio Station. Check it out. It's great. Great. Uh, wherever you get your radio, specifically you get radio, your radio. radio. <laughs> Radio, uh, iHeartRadio, Radio FX, and I will be the sports editor at the Temple News. So, going to be plenty busy as well. Not as busy as at the Messenger, but, you know, we're getting there. You know, the jobs I had my senior year at Temple, Declan's junior year at Temple is him being the boss of those jobs. So, you know, Declan has surpassed me on the hierarchy. (laughs) I don't know about that. I'm getting there, though. I'm getting there. I'm happy for you. Everybody's happy for everybody. Everybody love everybody. Everybody love everybody. And then John continues to be the best looking 46-year-old white dude I know. I mean, this is aging <laughs> gracefully. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. He's got the salt and pepper going today. He's got I the nice little light the through the window. Hey, it's, it's every day. I have no choice but to get the salt yeah, and pepper. Yeah, but the going. light's coming through the window at just the right angle. You know, it's yeah. the golden hour. It's the golden hour glow going on right now. He knows it's a Friday. Like, it's John's going to grace the cover of GQ in July. <laughs> You must know something I don't. They <laughs> not reached out to me. Uh, before we get to famous number forty sixes and this great interview that we have uh, for you with Jaleel White, I had the chance to talk to him earlier today. 
and some recruiting updates for you guys. The Scoop, as always, is brought to you by Greenspan and Greenspan Injury Lawyers. If you have been injured while on the road or the highway and the crash is someone else's fault, the insurance company will not be on your side. You need us, Temple Law grads, who will fight hard to get the compensation that you deserve. We only get paid if we win. So in Pennsylvania or New York, call us today at 215-261-7359. That's 215-261-7359. And you can find them on the web at greenspans-law.com. That's greenspans-law.com. So big thank you to Mike Greenspan, longtime Scoop subscriber, Al Scoop subscriber. Happy to have him on board. He's part of the Al Scoop family. Getting back to these Temple Owls. Again, in the mailbag, we'll be talking about some recruiting updates, some football recruiting updates. But we have this, uh, we have our famous number 46s to get to first before the Jaleel White interview. What's on your mind, guys? Anything jump out? Is 46 a tough one? 46 is a, an ugly, disgusting number. But for some reason, I do have two players for you. Okay. Centers from the NBA, Aaron Baines and Bo Outlaw. Wow. Wow. Some have sort of deep cuts. Those are very deep cuts. Aaron Baines, I immediately thought of Vaughn, so that was a really good pick. But well, well, I had to, I had to do some thinking of. I'm like, hold on, wait, yeah, Colby whooped the Suns behind a few times. But what <laughs> was on? Bo Outlaw was on that team. There Declan, you have you have you done your homework? Or are you going to be like, I no, I only have one, and I'll tell you why I only have one because this is burned in my brain from being a Giants fan. In the Philadelphia oh, area. I, I, see, I want to see if you were going to go with my guy. I know who you're going to go with. Yes, Herman Edwards. Yes. Who Herman famously Edwards, had the 46. fumble in the first miracle at the Meadowlands, which I've never lived down. It's just I mean, great. If you just, if you just, if you could make peace with the fact that you were an Eli Manning fan and that Eli Manning is now retired, of course, and you could say, I put on my time as a Giants fan. If you just come over from the dark side and say, I'm going to embrace my hometown team, then... The miracle of the Meadowlands doesn't have to bother you as much. I mean, that's or true. the second miracle of the Meadowlands. Oh, but, that but, one was worse because I was actually watching that one. But, that but, one was terrible. John, even then, he's way closer to M&T than he is to Link. No, I'm not, actually. Because not? I'm in the I'm in the corner. So it's like almost... I think it's closer to Philly, but it's like about even. Oh, let, let me think. You Okay, yeah, it might be even. It it's, might be. it's like very close because I went to Camden, um, Camden Yards, what, two weeks ago? And it was it was maybe an hour. And that's about the time to get to Philly. So I don't you know. You drive the speed limit, don't you? I wasn't driving. Mm, okay. But I do drive the speed limit for my mom and dad in case they're listening. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, promised you guys this interview with, with Jolly O. White. Uh, a guy who obviously you know struggled a little bit this past season. He's asked to do a lot. He's asked to defend. Uh, didn't do as well shooting the ball as he wanted to by his own admission. You'll hear him talk a lot here about uh, some of the same things that I asked Heisier Miller about last week, uh, traveling abroad to Spain, being one of the returning guys, being one of the guys that was asked to be part of some of the recent recruiting visits, and another guy who seems really, really excited about this new staff and and what they can get out of him. He knows Tosh Tweet as well as anybody. They've been close friends since their high school days at Wildwood Catholic, and Tosh, of course, registered this past year. So uh, similar to what Heisier did last week, kind of gave me a scan of the roster, some of the new guys. And uh, and you'll hear here, too, you know, he's he's quick to say, I think we're going to play more cohesively as a team, which I think is a callback to 
That's something that they didn't do this past season. So uh, good stuff here from Jaleel White. Appreciate his time. We'll play this interview for you and then just react to it on the other side. All right, we're really happy to have Jaleel White back with us on the scoop. Jaleel, really appreciate your time today. How you doing? Uh, I'm good. Appreciate appreciate you guys for having me. Oh, no problem. I, I want to lead off our conversation the same way I did with Hysir Miller because I know you were just with him on that trip to Spain. How was it just to go abroad for a little while? It looks like you guys had some fun. Uh, fun's not even the word. Spain was amazing. I want to say it's hard to put in words how much I really enjoyed it. Like I didn't really have any expectations. So like going out there and just like, like getting a feel for a different culture, a different lifestyle, being six hours ahead, like everything was just like, different and it was like different in a good way like I really enjoyed it I was asking him about this too obviously you know him far better than we do like he ever since he came in from high school he seems like this super like all business approach guy that's like 15 years older than he actually is but I was (laughs) telling him like I saw some of the videos he posted and they were really funny but that one where he was on like the the raft and it looked like everybody cracking up like what's he like off the court because that was funny to me and i obviously wasn't there with you guys but he was talking about he's like oh my my raft flipped over i didn't know what was going on but everything was fine but it just sounded like as he was narrating it everybody else in the background was laughing what was that like uh that was hilarious i actually wasn't there when it happened but when they got to short i was in front of feet so when Mm -hmm. they got to short they told me and then they showed me the video it was hilarious uh fade but like the thing about Fabe, like, when I first met Fabe, it's he's kind of, like, hard to get through. But, like, once you really get to, like, hang out with him and get to know him, he's going to open up. And, like, he's just a – like, he's one of the funniest guys I've ever met. Like, mm-hmm. a really good kid. Was that your first time abroad, like, over in Europe? Yeah, yeah. I actually just got my passport, like, two days before the trip. And then just went. What does it do for you just as a person? I mean, obviously, like you've been in some big time pressure situations as an athlete. And then when you go and, and just travel to another country, like you said, just kind of like broadens your horizons a little bit. What did that do for you as a person? Because it's, it's a really cool experience just to get out of the country. Yeah, me personally, it changed my like whole perspective of of the world and like of life. Like I was so like I've been to so many states and like they're all kind of similar but, like, when you go out there, it's, like, nothing. Like, the views that you see, like, the way that they do stuff out there, the things they eat, the portion sizes of what they're eating, like, everything is just different. And it, it just changed my perspective and in a good way of how much there is that we're not seeing on an everyday basis. Did it feel good to just kind of unplug from, from basketball for a little while? Oh, yeah, no doubt. I feel like – uh mentally like all of us we all need a break from this basketball stuff because it gets overwhelming mm-hmm. even though it's just a game like we t- we it means so much more than just a game to most of us super so like just to get away and take your mind off it for a little bit it was a, a really good thing mentally i know it was like a few weeks ago or maybe a month and a half ago you would talk to javon Edmonds about this like every year whether there's a coaching change or not every player now really has a choice as to whether or not they're going to come back. Obviously, Aaron McKee moves on, parts way with the school. Adam Fisher comes in. You had a choice. You could have stayed at Temple. You could have left. You chose to stay. Um, did you think about 
leaving? Did you have people kind of reaching out to say, hey, if you were to enter the portal, we'd be interested in you? But obviously you chose to stay. What was that process like? Did you think about leaving or were you always kind of just like, nah, I'm going to stay? Uh, I was always 70% sure I was going to stay, 30% thinking about leaving. Um, I didn't want to leave, honestly. I didn't want to have to go through that process of transferring. I wanted to just trust the temple the temple staff and the people who are in charge of getting a coach and just having us in the best hands possible. And I think they really did that with Coach Fisher. He's a really good guy. The whole staff, Coach Jordan, Coach Huger, Coach Clark, obviously. They're all great guys. Another thing I remember that you, you told Javon when they when you first met Adam Fisher, I think you said you found him to be this really positive guy who you could who you said you can still he could instill confidence in you that you said that you used to have has that been the case so far? Because I think you had said something to Javon, like, yeah, I kind of struggle with my confidence a little bit. You guys had a really up and down year, and you had said to him, this guy, I feel like this guy could bring that out in me. Have you found that to be the case with him so far? Yes, most definitely. We only worked out probably three weeks before we had a break for the summer. Yeah. But yeah, like just the energy in the gym was just, it's like a great thing. Like, it was just like so much fun. Like, it was just so fun. Like, and everything was just so positive. Like, he, he cracked down on us a little bit, but, like, that's what coaches do. Like, yeah, I feel like he definitely could do that for me. And he already had, honestly. Yeah, he does seem to be, like, this really positive and upbeat type of guy. I know that, that coaches obviously can't – you know, you just can't let the players – no coach can just totally let the players run things. But it seems like maybe in today's college basketball, like, that's the type of – approach that works and everybody has it their their own kind of leadership style in your opinion do you think that's like the right disposition for a coach to have like what do you think is like the right blend of a leadership style for a coach to have one thing i've never understood is like when things are going bad for a team how the outside puts it on the coach like it's really just like it's us it's the players on the court like the coaches only can control what they control we can control what we control but like it's more on us. So I feel like him instilling like that leadership role in us players, I feel like that's the best thing. And I feel like that's how college basketball should be because like we're the ones that's on the court and doing all this. So yeah, I feel like it should be more of a player player thing. What do you think Adam Fisher can bring out in you? Like what do you think people still haven't seen about your game? Because there's so much is really asked of you you oftentimes it's like ja go defend the team's best player we need you to rebound we need you to block shots we need you to have the ball in your hand and i know a lot of coaches will say oh this guy can guard one through five he can play one through five and you kind of seem to fit into all of those categories and everybody talks about how versatile you are but what what do you think they can bring out of you as a player i would say definitely a three ball since he's got to since he's such fun and simple, he's been emphasizing that to me and the team. Like, we're going to shoot a lot of threes. Like, we're getting a bunch of a, tons of shots up this summer. Like, you guys are going to be able to shoot threes. Like, he even had Ima working on his three ball and a little mm -hmm. bit of workouts that we had. So, I feel like that's one thing he's definitely going to bring out me, him and the coaching staff, mm -hmm. uh, three ball. I know you had a rough stretch shooting that you had that stat that I'm sure you don't like. You didn't hit a three this year. Was part of it confidence? Because, I mean, I know you guys had – an up and down year and there were so many shots to go around and sometimes you guys had a good mix of getting the ball around and sometimes you didn't and when you didn't have the ball in your hands I mean it just it, it seemed like you guys struggled with like some sort of offensive flow was that part of it 
for you? Because two seasons ago, you would you hit some clutch threes. I mean, it's not like you were shooting forty percent from three, but you were hitting them. You were you were able to hit that shot. I think yeah, it was definitely a confidence thing, but it was also I feel like the mindset that I had on the court it was like just buy into your defensive role, let the sport the shooters be the shooters, and you get yours where you get it at. Like that was kind of my mindset. I felt like that was like the best thing that was for the team. It was yeah, it was confidence, but more of a mix of me just obviously not getting a lot of temps up. You've you've obviously you, you dealt with the knee injury before you even got to Temple, um, and then you redshirted. And I know you've dealt with shoulder injuries. How are you feeling at this point in your career? Because the 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 way you play and the way you're asked to play, uh, you're not taking possessions off. You have to defend. It the the game takes a toll on your body. How does your knee feel, and how do your shoulders feel? Uh, my shoulders feel great, honestly. I haven't really had any problems with them this far uh, this summer so far, so they've been good. Uh, I would say my knees are at about like eighty percent right now. They'll get like a little sore after I do lifts, but that's pretty much normal. Like my body's fine, honestly. Does the shoulder stuff has that affected your shot at all? Does that? I know you're not a guy that makes excuses, but I would have to imagine if you've had soreness or injuries in both shoulders, that it's, it can't be can't, can't be easy for your shot, right? Has that affected things a little bit? As much as I say, as much as I want to say it hasn't, it, it has, honestly. Um, more of just uh, fatigue, honestly. Like, it's not, like, making me – it's just, like, a fatigue thing. Like, if I'm sitting there getting shots up, like, stationary shots are on a move, like, it'll just get fatigued uh, faster than normally. So, I feel like that's one of the only things. But When I talk to you, and I want to ask you about some of the newer guys in a few minutes, but it sounded like – you know, Steve Settle, Jordan, those guys, they got really detailed, like, feedback on their games. And I would assume that Adam Fisher and the staff, obviously, you know, Chris Clark with him coming back. When, when you met with Adam Fisher, like, what did he what did he see in you? Like, what did he tell you about your game? Because he sounds like a very, very detail-oriented guy that really, I know every coach will say, hey, I want to get the best out of my players. But that does seem to resonate with the guys, like, a lot of analysis, even like some analytics, like Steve was telling me, hey, they were telling me if I could just make this adjustment on my shot, my three-point shooting percentage could go up. What did what did Adam say to you when he looked at your game and what he thinks he can get out of you? Uh, obviously, he thinks I'm a really good defender. That's the first thing people are going to see because that's what I'm going to bring every game, every time I get on the court. Uh, uh, he likes that I can make plays and be very versatile. And he just said that, like, this summer is just going to be tons of shots for me. Like, that's one of the things he's going to focus on. He's going to get a guy that just works for me on a, on my shot, like, multiple hours a day, every single day. So that's one. That's the thing he's interesting to me. Mm-hmm. What have you – I mean, you kind of alluded to a little bit of this so far. Obviously, it's it's June. It's early. You guys still have to get into the fall. What do you think an Adam Fisher coach team is going to look like? What do you think your play style is going to be like when the season starts? It's going to be a connected, unselfish, free-flowing play style. So, like, like, it's going to be us having fun and making the right plays, knowing how to play the game right, and just caring for one even like for one another. That's that's how I see it. That's what I envision. Is that? I know you guys don't want to look back, but is that what you guys struggled with more than anything this past year? Because I think so many of the guys said, "Hey." We had the talent. 
we just couldn't put it together. And, you know, that happens sometimes, but I feel like you've said that now, Fabe said that like almost kind of sounds like a breath of fresh air. Is that something that you felt was kind of missing from last year's team? Uh, yes, uh, most definitely. Uh, feel like we all kind of got a little bit selfish. We thought about ourselves before the team sometimes. And it showed on the court that we weren't as connected connected as we should have been. And it showed, like, it takes much more than just having talent to be a successful team. And that was a clear example of it last year. Is that – have you ever been a part of a situation like that? Because you guys – I was talking to Fave about this, and you know this. You guys were literally the team that was capable of beating anybody and losing anybody. I mean, you lost to, to Wagner and Maryland Eastern Shore – and then you guys go on the road and you beat Houston in a huge, huge game. What was that like going through that as a player when you talk about trying to stay connected? Like guys can say, oh, we got to get together. We got to meet as a team. But is it hard to get a hold of that once the season gets going to kind of just get everybody back on track? Uh, Yeah, most definitely. It's a lot harder than it sounds. And maybe it may look from the outside. Mm-hmm. Like this year was a, a mentally and emotionally a roller coaster. We had our highs and we definitely had our lows. Like, and I feel like our lows kind of we let our lows stick with us more than just just letting it go most of the time. And that's kind of what it was this year. Like we would dwell on things that we should just let go. Like control what we can control. How important for was it for you guys to have Chris Clark? Come back. Obviously, Bobby Jordan's not new to Philly, but he's new to the staff. I want to ask you about Michael Huger, too. And obviously, Adam Fisher, the head coach, is new. But Chris has played at Temple, seems to be a really respected guy. What is it meant to have like him representing some continuity on the staff to see, like, for him to be able to inform Adam Fisher and say, I can tell you what worked and what didn't work? What does it mean to have him come back? Uh, I feel like that meant everything for me personally. Like, that's been my guy since he's been coming to my high school games. And like, just having him come back was just like a, just like a kind of a breath of fresh air, like, and a, just like a comfort. Cause I know he like, he's always going to take care of me. So it's like, it just made me really comfortable just having him back around, take care of me and everyone on the team. Like he's a really good guy. So that meant a lot for me personally. What would have, was it been like to work with Michael Huger or what have those guys meant to the staff so far? Uh, Michael Huger, uh, <laughs> our first couple workouts I loved him he's like he was really in my ear the entire time like you gotta do this at a pro speed like like if you want to be a pro let's be a pro like he was really pushing me and that's what I really liked about him and coach Jordan he's just really high energy and I love that about him like he's trying to guard you at every drill we're doing he's he's guarding us and in our face talking trash I, I really like coach Jordan I like with the whole staff a lot it even sounds like, and I talked to Fabe about this too, it sounds like it's been really important for Adam and the staff to have you and Fabe really involved with recruiting when the new guys come in for visits. And it just seems like he's, I know this sounds sort of cliche, but it looks like he's looked at the two of you guys and said, you're my guys, you're my my leaders on the team. I know he wants everybody to lead, but it seems like you guys have been heavily involved in like hosting the recruits. Um, his, did he ever like just talk to you guys and say, uh, you, it's going to be critically important for you guys to talk to these guys. Your guys are you're going to be really important in this process. Yeah, we definitely had those talks a bunch of times, like on the way to dinners for recruits, uh, just being in the gym with them, in his office, in the car with him. Like, yeah, that's he's definitely looking to us to be some of the leaders, being like some of the more experienced guys and some of the guys that played more last year. So, 
Yeah. And one, I wanted to ask you about the new guys. And again, you haven't known them for too long, but it, it looks like each one of them can really help you guys and is really going to have a role. I wanted to ask you about Quante Berry again. Each of these guys I'm going to talk to you about, it's not like you played a full season with them, but you can look at each one of them and say, okay, I can see how this guy fits in. What can you tell us in the limited time you've been around him about Quante Berry and how he could potentially help you guys? Honestly, I haven't really been in the gym with him because I've been in Jersey working out and he's been up in Philly. Mm -hmm. But the little times that I've hung out with him, like just in the dorms, and he actually came to Jersey for a little bit. Uh, He's a really cool guy, easy to get along with. I really like Quante. Like, I feel like he can really help us. I saw some of his clips. I saw some yeah, some of his clips this uh, summer, and I, I really like his game. Good kid. I feel like he can really help us. How much time have you gotten to to spend with Matteo Piccarelli? I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see he can really shoot the living hell out of the ball. And I know Bobby was telling me, hey, when I was at Albany with Dwayne Killings last year, he killed us, and I got a up upfront view of what he could do. Have you had the chance to spend some time around him? And obviously, can't hurt to have shooters like that on your team. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I love playing with shooters like him. But uh, I, uh, no, I haven't got to spend time with him except on his visit. That's the only time we've actually hung out. Uh, we start workouts this upcoming Monday, so that's when all the guys will be on campus and we'll really get to spend time together. But since his visit, like he's been, he's a really cool kid. I, I liked him a lot. I'm glad that he committed here. What about um? What, what can you tell us about Jordan Riley? And when I when I talked to him, he was another one of the guys that said this staff really broke down my film and talked about how I could help. And more than any staff that recruited me, they looked beyond my stats. You know, if you just look mm-hmm. at my stats, they're not going to blow anybody away. But they looked at my game film. He looks like in some ways athletically how he can guard, how he can play, might be sort of similar to you. What what, have, what do you know about Jordan so far and how he can help you guys? Uh, that's another guy that I haven't really got to spend time with. But one thing I know about Jordan is we played him my freshman year in a scrimmage at, over yeah. at Georgetown. And he really reminded me of myself, like really high energy, loves defend, athletic. Uh, so, I, yeah, I really like his game. I think he'll be able to help us on both sides of the ball this year easily. How about Steve Settle, a guy that's about 6'10", played really well against Kansas in the tournament. Looks like he has a, obviously a really versatile skill set. Uh, what can you tell us about him? Again, I know it's a limited amount of time, and you'll get to know these guys, like you said, starting this week a heck of a lot more. But how do you think he could help you guys? I think he can help us in every way possible. It's him being that size and that versatile, able to shoot the ball, block shots, defend. I think that's, that's everything we need from all of us, but especially him this year. What about, you know, obviously, you know Tosh Sweet better than anybody. And, you know, everybody kind of hoped back, you know, back a few years ago, like, I hope those guys eventually get to play together. You know, there were people who were actually rooting, like, well, maybe Tosh will transfer home. Then he actually transferred home, and he's with you now. So many fans are wondering, like, how does he help? You know, how you? this was the first time he's had in a while, I think, to probably take a breath after everything he's been through, like playing it two seasons at West Virginia, it's a coastal first semester, and now he's with you guys. You know him, again, better than anybody else. How can he help you guys this year? What did you see from him in this past year just practicing with him? First thing you're, you're going to notice from Taj is his energy. He's always going to bring energy effort every time he gets on the court. He's a uh, great defensive player, great finisher, great, uh, really good shooter. Uh, he's, I feel like he can really help us, and I'm really excited to get him on the court and just be back by his side on the court. I feel like 
if we would have had him last year, like things would have kind of looked it different. Like he would have been a piece of energy off the off the bench or starting like that could have really brought our play to the next level, in my opinion. He's another guy, like even just when I've talked informally with with Bobby and Chris, like I think they've said to me, like you could possibly like have him guarding some fives. And I know you know that he can shoot the yeah, ball a little bit. Easily, he easily, easily guard fives. And I know that, again, it sounds like a lot of guys say, I want to play with energy. Everybody says it, but not everybody does it. What is it like? It sounds like the simplest question in the world, but what it, what is it about him that makes him like that? Has he always been like that back to his days at Wildwood Catholic? Because everybody talks about, oh, he can dunk. He's a great athlete. He's a high major player. But everybody talks about his energy recently. They don't talk about the dunks and stuff like that. They talk about the unselfishness and the energy. Is that something that's just always been a part of him? Something that since he's picked up a basketball, he's just always had that energy. Like, I, I, I've honestly never saw him fatigued in a game. Like, I don't know what's wrong with him. Like, he just doesn't <laughs> really get fatigued at all. So, like, he just always has energy. It's, it's, it's really weird. What do you think being back home means for him? Because I know he wanted to be closer, I think, to his grandmother. I'm sure being around you has helped. And, like, what do you think just being back home and maybe just having the last year to kind of – settle himself has meant for him. I feel like that's really meant a lot for him. Uh, he's been through a lot and being back home with me, with his family, I feel like that's almost what he needed after those two years at West Virginia and then Coastal. I feel like this was like the best thing for him and I think he's going to make the most of this year for sure. What about Shane? Another guy who obviously like he's, he's dealt with his own hardships with injuries and I think there were times, again, there were so many shots to go around and there were times when we would get into the game last year and it felt like, you know, he had a limited amount of time to show what he could do. But when yeah. I talked to Fabe, he seemed pretty high on him and he said, you know, I think he can score in bunches for us. Uh, a guy that you, you probably are going to have to lean on pretty heavily this coming season. What, do, what have you seen from Shane and what do you think just having another breath of fresh air and another season at Temple will do for him? Uh, I feel like that would do a lot for him. Uh Shane is a really good player. Like he just didn't really get the opportunity last year, but I, this year I feel like he's really gonna have a explosive year and really show everyone what he can do and what he's really made of. Like I, I spent a lot of time in the gym with Shane. Like yeah, he's he's a really good guy, really good player, person, and he's gonna help this year for sure. In his uh, introductory press conference, Adam Fisher had said something like, hey, we're, we're not – I think he said something like – and I'm not quoting him exactly on this. He think he said – when I talked to the guys, I said said something like, we're not a family yet, but that's the point that I want to get to in November. And it sounds like, again, like he's leaning on on guys like you and Fabe to help make that happen. What, is that, what does that look like? Again, people talk about leadership and chemistry and stuff, but like – what does that mean to you as a leader to get like, it's more challenging now because you've got four or five new guys coming in and there's a coaching change and guys like Deuce didn't play much last year and Emo was in and out of the lineup. What does that look like? How do you get the team closer? Is it just literally spending more time together off the floor? Like if you had to explain that to a fan, what does that look like to try to get a team to be more cohesive in a family? I feel like, I feel like it starts with the little things, just saying what's up to all your teammates when you come in to the locker room in the morning, uh, just helping them out with little things, spending time in the gym with them, spending time at home playing video games, talking, whatever it may be, like just little things to get closer. And like that will go a long way. And then 
the more you do like the little things, you the more you get comfortable with someone, and then like that's how you build relationships. And I feel like that's what that's what it's going to take just for us to be comfortable around each other, with each other, being able to hold each other accountable, not scared to really say anything to a teammate, knowing how to talk to a certain person, like all that. That's going to go into play to making the best out of this season and being as connected as we should be. What do you think more minutes potentially could mean for a guy like Emmanuel Pomo? I know, obviously, Jamil Reynolds was really good, and Cora certainly had a role for you guys. And I feel like, you know, in covering you guys, when when Ima would get in, I know, like, Aaron wasn't asking him, like, I need a double-double out of you. But I feel like when he got in, you very rarely said to yourself, like, well, he didn't hurt him. I feel like he kind of did what he was supposed to do. And I know maybe Fish isn't always going to traditionally say, I, I need a traditional five, like a back to the basket guy. He wants people to be versatile, but what do you think he could be capable of doing for you guys this year with maybe more minutes and another opportunity? The more he's on the floor, the less points in the paint are going to be scored. Uh, straight like that. Like he's a great defensive player. Like he's one of the hardest guys since the last three years I've been at him. He's been very hard to finish on for some reason. Like I always struggle finishing against a like, Mm-hmm. A very aggressive guy, and his offense is really coming together. So I'm excited for him. I feel like more minutes for him, the less points scored for the other team. What about a guy like Deuce? I know the plan was always for him to probably redshirt, and I, he probably felt like things were going from zero to 60 for him. He wasn't a highly recruited guy, and the, the previous staff kind of felt like they had a diamond in the rough with him. With him getting a year under his belt, again, you go up against him in practice every day. What can you tell people about Deuce Roberts? Deuce, Deuce is a problem. Deuce, scout team Deuce, because he would be on a scout team because he was a redshirt last year. Like, mm-hmm. So he would be the other team's best player every time. And he's he definitely has some some stuff in his bag. Like Deuce, uh, great offensively, very athletic, and he's going to give you everything he has on defense. Uh, he's a dog. And I really like Deuce. I'm happy for him. This, I'm excited for him this year. What about if you had the chance? I asked Fabe a little bit about Zion Stanford again, a guy who's coming in as a freshman. Um, Fabe said he's had the chance to play with him a little bit, and they have that Philly Catholic League connection. Again, he's going to come in as a true freshman, and it's a lot of ground to make up in a short amount of time. But wh- where do you think he could help? What do you know of him so far, and what have you seen from him? I know I really haven't saw a lot from Z. Honestly, I know he's a ball player. He has great size and. He can do a bunch, a little bit of everything on the floor. I feel like that's what we need from a kid like him. Very versatile and someone who's just going to play hard at all times. I feel like that's what we need him to do. Be a workhorse. For you, I mean, obviously you probably want to work on a little bit of everything. So many players say, hey, I'm I'm not a finished product. I'm going to work on my shooting and work on this. But like, do you, do you have any like personal goals for the summer? I know a lot of it is going to be a team thing, but – is there one area that you're focused in on where you say, I know I can do better here and it's going to be a big point of pride for you this summer to work on? Uh, I want to say it's a, it's a, I can name a million things that I'm working on this summer, but one that I want to emphasize is my three point shot mid range, just getting more comfortable and confident and like never hesitating to shoot a three or shoot the ball from anywhere. What's one thing that you feel like for a guy that still has a lot of time left ahead of him as a college player, you've been through a lot. You've had, you've been through a coaching change. Now you've had, you've had injuries. What, 
if you could compare yourself as a player and a person now to when you first got to Temple, like what, what have you, what have you learned? How do you feel like you've, you've grown or changed or do you feel like you're any different now than you were when you first got to Temple? Firstly, I want to say that I've grown as a person more than a basketball player. Being at Temple, you learn so much about like life outside of basketball and like how much bigger life is than basketball. So like, just knowing how to treat people and be respectful at all times and just being a good person, like that, that'll take you a long way by itself. And then I feel like on the court, I've, I've learned how to accept the role and buy into what the team is trying to sell, what the coach is trying to sell, and just being more of a team first guy than thinking about yourself. Because you'll never be, never be successful thinking about yourself, in my opinion, in this basketball world. Does it? I mean, you've had games where you have like, you guys, even though you had some ups and downs, like you frustrated, not you, just you and the team collectively. Like you guys had had games where like you said, like, okay, we're gonna focus on this guy, focus on that guy, and you won some games, you lost some games, but you did frustrate a lot of opposing scores. Is that sometimes like everybody wants to hit like the game winning three or like posterize someone on a dunk or do whatever, but like, can it be just as satisfying to really frustrate the hell out of an offensive player and see his body language just diminish and diminish as the game goes on? Can that be just as as satisfying a feeling as anything else when you're defending somebody really well? Yeah, I feel like I'd rather shut down the 30 point scorer than be the 30 point scorer. And that's just like the player that I've grown into be in my college career. So yeah, I really take a lot of pride in and on the defensive end. Is there a guy that you're just a final question for you? Is there a guy that you're really looking forward to seeing when when the season comes around in November? Is there a guy that you feel is like really, really ready to take the next step on this team that you're really looking forward to if he gets a new opportunity under a new staff where you could say this guy's going to, I hate to say, like, surprise some people because everybody, every Division One player has got ability and they've got skill. They're there for a reason. But is there a guy on this roster, whether it's one of the new guys or whether the returning guys, where you say, this guy's going to take a huge step forward this year? There's two people on my team that I'm really confident in taking that big step and surprising people this year. First, he tides, like, I just can't wait for him to get this opportunity and and just be on the floor and just show what he can do. He has so much, like, held in that he hasn't been able to put out there. So him and then Hasir, like, playing with Hasir these last two years, like, he, he really has it. He really has it on the offensive end. And I feel like he's really going to show that and put that on display this year. Well, just a last follow-up question about him, because I asked him about this too. There were times where, like, he would blow past somebody and then he would get into the lane – and then sometimes he would pick up his dribble and I was asking him, like, was that just like a confidence thing or was that just overthinking things? Is that kind of like the next step for him? Because he'd make a move and then he would stop and maybe like kick it back out. Is that just a little bit of everything or you think that's the next step for him where like he can get that floater going, he could dunk over somebody, he can pass out of a double team or something like that? Because it seems like that was there for him sometimes and then he would almost kind of second guess himself. Yeah, he, he already has all that. He's just, he just was overthinking it in my opinion, like. He he like he's kind of he kind of got the uh, role of managing the game last year, and he could do like a lot more than that, in my opinion. He could have been our leading scorer last year, honestly. So 
Yeah, you'll really see that this year. Yeah. What's What's next for you this summer? What do you like? What do you do outside of basketball? I know a lot of times guys say, "I don't have much time outside of basketball." Like, what do you do for fun outside of the game? You buy the jersey, no, actually, or, you know, like what? What do you do to relax? Uh, I go to the beach. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big beach guy this summer, but I've also got a, a summer job, so I've been working from like nine to two in the morning. Then I'll go get a workout in. And then relax the rest of the day, maybe go to the beach. Where's the summer job? What are you doing? Uh, I work at my friend's hotel, so I do everything. I do yard work, I clean rooms, power wash, clean pools. Wow. I do everything. Wow. Yeah. So you're not taking any time off? No. Nah, well, thanks, Jello. I really appreciate it. Appreciate your time. Enjoy the summer. I'll catch up with you soon. I appreciate it, John. Yeah, as, as I was saying before, before we played the interview here, John mentioned just more cohesiveness. And when I asked him, you know, what can fans and observers of Temple basketball expect in the Adam Fisher era? And he said, it's going to be a connected free flowing style. And he was very quick to say that. And I know it's very, very easy to be optimistic when you're, you're O and O you haven't lost a game with the new coach that the expectations, I mean, it's just, you're, you're full of optimism, but he was very quick to say that, and you know, when I asked him if that was something that was missing from last year's team, he was very quick to say, "Yeah, most definitely, we all got a little bit selfish." And um, so, you know, the more you talk to guys, the more they're willing to admit, "Yeah, we had the pieces, just couldn't put it together." Javon, I want to ask you this. I mean, you, you've covered Jaleo for a couple of years. We talked about yeah you know, the knee injury he had coming into college, how his shoulders have been banged up. Any player going to play for a new coaching staff, it's a chance for a fresh start, a breath of fresh air. What do you want to see out of, out of Jaleel White next year? You know what he's capable of? You did hear him talk a lot in this interview saying, like, one of the other things, again, it's talk at this point until he can execute it, but you heard him say in this interview, you know, Coach Fisher wants to have somebody work with me all summer on my shot, getting threes up. And again, I, don't, I think we'd be... <clears throat> kind of forced to expect him to all of a sudden hit 45% from three. But if he can do a little bit more like what he did a couple of years ago, it will obviously benefit benefit his game, benefit Temple. What do you want to see out of him next year? What do you think he's capable of under a new staff? It, two years ago, he was good for a very timely corner three mm-hmm. every game. And then I came on this very podcast last summer talking about how good he looked in open runs. I had a guy playing in the same runs as Jalil. And he's like, hey, man, he's shooting it this year. Um, And then we learned, obviously, he had a setback with his shoulder sometime between then and the start of the season. And he looked like the Jalil White of old when it came to jump shooting. Um, He told me a few weeks ago, he told you his shoulder's doing better. He had a little cleanup surgery on it, if I remember correctly. Um, So if he can get back to one for three, from deep every game, that 33% mark. And the one that he hits is very timely. I think Fish will be fine with that. Um, he's got to be attacking and getting downhill, continuing to rebound, continuing to be able to guard the opposing team's best perimeter player and switch on to a power forward every now and then because he can guard one through four. Asking him to guard five is asking him to be in foul trouble. So you just want to see him bounce back to the Jalil White from two years ago at this point. And then next year, which would be his redshirt senior year, 
you want him to have a jump again. But for 23-24, if he can get back to redshirt freshman Jalil White, you're like, okay, he's fully healthy again or healthier than he was in 22-23. So, yeah, if he can just look like redshirt freshman Jalil one more time, I think the staff will be happy with that. This might sound like the most basic thing to say in the world, Javon, but obviously the whole team couldn't find any sort of offensive consistency, any sort of consistency. We've said a million times, just like I said in the interview with them, they were capable of beating anybody, capable of losing anybody. A guy like Jaleel, again, we didn't expect him to average a double-double. We thought and knew that regardless of the issues and problems we that, that he had, you know, a lot of the scoring was going to come from Caleb Battle, from Damian Dunn. Jamil Reynolds started to heat up. You know, Jaleel White was not going to be option one, two, or three on the offensive end. Or four. But, or even four, like you said. You got Zach Hicks over there. Yes. Um, but he did need to see the ball touch his hands every once in a while. And at the beginning of the year, the coaches said, yeah, we want him to bring the ball up the floor. But then things would get off track, and then they would kind of just ask him to post sometimes. Is he a guy that just needs to, again, they're going to have – shooters you know Matteo Piccarelli has proven that he can shoot Steve Settle has proven that he can shoot a little bit obviously it's a brand mostly brand new group but is he a guy that just needs to again we're not going to over exaggerate here and say that that John needs to get 15 shots a game or anything like that but did he just really suffer from a the 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 lack of continuity the ups and downs of you know Caleb Battle and all that stuff and just camping out and camping out. And then when you get the one or two or three chances, that small handful of opportunities, do you, do you just press as a basketball player and say, Oh man, I don't have confidence in my shot. Now they need me. And I got to perform. Is that just like a recipe for stagnation in a player's game? I I don't know because in the off season, it seemed like the guys knew what their offense was going to be. They knew Dame and KB were going to get the ISO buckets. They knew Jamil was going to be a guy who demanded touches in the post. And they knew Zach could shoot the cover off a of basketball. And Jalil being the passer that he was, had no problem with that and no problem getting them the ball. And he wound up getting more shot attempts earlier in the season before he got hurt than I thought he would. And he just wasn't knocking them down. And then he gets hurt, and his he's in and out of the lineup. I think – I don't know. It, it, his shoulder was so iffy during the year because one week it'd feel good, and you'd see him trying to dunk on people. Um, he had a few eye openers at the beginning of the season. And then the next week his shoulder would be killing him, and then he's fine again, and then he's hurt again, and then he misses a few games. So there was just no continuity health-wise. I think that had more to do with, you know, him being the – the fifth or sixth option because the whole roster knew who was going to get the shots. They knew who were going to be the main four people getting shot attempts. And then everybody knew it was either going to be Hasir in the pick and roll or Jalil, you know, on the back door uh, or on the swing, swing, swing to, to get the shot. So I don't think that had anything to do with, and I think he just couldn't find a rhythm because his shoulder didn't know what, how the hell it wanted to act on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Well, and he tweaked his knee at some point, didn't he? Yeah, and again, I mean, he came in. He came in. If you're a Temple fan and you followed the program over the last several years, you know that he was. I'm not saying he was going to get like a half dozen high major Power Five offers, but he was really kind of starting to come into his own as a player. Hurt his knee, his junior year around. I guess it was April, right? 
and missed the rest of the AAU season. Temple stuck with him, signed him, but he came into came into the year, came into his college career with a knee injury that I think he has said wasn't a hundred percent heading into his senior year at Wildwood Catholic. They redshirted him. And then yeah, anytime like you heard him say in that interview, like sometimes his knees will get sore after a lift, but he's used to that now. So a guy that's got some some as cliche as it sounds, some tread on his tires, his knees or his at least his one knee and his shoulders. So um just it'll be interesting to see again, like not just with him, with everybody, what can the new staff get out of them? But a guy that obviously could do a lot for them in terms of being a defensive presence and a guy that could really like anybody else just benefit from some added confidence. We've got some, some football coaching news here. And then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that as we get to the mailbag here. The the first question, you know, temple sports related in general, the first one comes from the screen name temple 22. Why isn't Temple working hard to, to push for a Power 5 invite? I don't get why we always appear to be asleep at the wheel. I got you right here. I got you right here because I've talked to Arthur Johnson enough. It's a quick answer. They have to win more before they can even think of that. Mm-hmm. They've got to be able to win in the American before they can start pushing mm-hmm. for Power 5s. You look at all the alignment, the realignment that's going on right now. The Big 12 is trying to add UConn. And the and the schools from the four corners. The Big Ten's going to add USC and UCLA. The SEC is trying to get the Duke Carolina rivalry, and if they can't get Carolina in the deal, no, if they can't get Duke in the deal, they'll settle for Virginia. Like there's there's so much going on right now. Temple's got to be able to win in the American first, and they haven't done that in quite some time. So no, Arthur Johnson's not pushing for a Power Five invite until his teams prove. They can win in their conference. The ACC seemingly does not care that much about the Philadelphia market to the point that it'll reach on a temple at the moment. If the ACC is going to go for anybody in the Philly market, it's going to be Villanova as a basketball-only school. So um, it, let's just get that out the way. Yeah, I mean, I would say there's a lot of truth to that. I, I think that we would be a little short-sighted if we said, I'm sure that Arthur Johnson and his staff they take an invite to the ACC. Oh, of course. Not only yeah. that, I'm sure they're looking at the feasibility of it. What do we need to do? I wouldn't necessarily say that they're asleep at the wheel, but yeah, again, I will say this week in and week out. I'm not saying it to sound bland. I am not that plugged in on a national level to know when something is, is going to break or if something's going to break eventually with UConn going to the Big 12. It is even just, I can tell you from the days of Temple pushing and pushing and pushing and finally getting back into the big East. And they never, they never got to play that season of big East basketball that they desperately wanted. Even waiting on that story, waiting for the final pieces to fall into place. There's just so much that goes into that. Um, I wouldn't say that they're necessarily asleep at the wheel, but to Javon's point, I think they're smart enough to know what's, what still needs to get done. And um just how hard it is to get into the mix. It is one of the most challenging things to to cover and wrap your head around when it comes to conference realignment. But you know, as a Temple fan, yeah, I get it. You're frustrated when you see when you see Houston leave, when you see UCF leave, you know, when you see you, SMU potentially being mentioned, when you see UConn potentially being mentioned. Yeah, it gets frustrating. But yeah, Temple has to work on becoming a more attractive candidate for conference realignment because the conversation constantly changes. It's not always about media market. It's how many people are streaming your content and all that stuff. So I'm going to add to that also. 
whatever Power 5 comes calling for Temple is probably going to be one of the bottom two in the Power 5. So even then, the money's an increase, but the status, not too much. Mm-hmm. And the, the, both the football and the basketball teams are going to have even more work cut out for them at that point, too. So, you know, I'd also add a be careful what you wish for in that situation. Yeah. Uh, next question here. Uh, and the, the last mailbag question is a three-parter. Um, and another part of it is a question we've answered already. This is from a, the screen name, TJ Clark. First question, what is the net impact of Antoine Smith leaving and Larry Knight returning on the defensive line in production, retention, and future recruiting? So that's the the newest coaching news. Again, if you've been following along, you know that that by now Antoine Smith, no longer Temple's defensive line coach, there's a lot left to be determined, uh, but he's, you know, he's at the very least gotten himself into some uh, some hot water there with what he's being accused uh, of doing. And so he's no longer no longer on Temple staff with Larry Knight coming in. What's the what's the net impact of it? T.J. Clark, um, Larry's a good hire um, for, you know, if anything else, he is a guy and I know this might sound trite and cliche and cheesy but at a place like temple it is very 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 important to have guys on your staff who either really really want to be there or know how to win and recruit at temple it sounds again sounds like another cliche temple's not for everybody but the coaches that have been successful at temple have known you have to wrap your arms around the kids you have to know how to recruit to north philadelphia and Larry briefly was at Temple 2017, 2018, came in an off-field role, eventually earned his way on the field for a short amount of time. But he worked for a guy. Jeff Collins was only at Temple for two years, but, you know, Jeff was able to win. Jeff was very, you know, through the ups and downs, like Jeff was a very, very tireless recruiter, and he very much cared about Temple's perception and branding and knew what he had to do to recruit to Temple. And Larry was there during a time that, you know, it wasn't the height of the Matt era, the Matt rule era, excuse me. He wasn't there from the ground floor of the Al Golden days, but he knows Temple and he knows what works at Temple, even if he was only there for a couple of seasons. So they had to move on from Antoine Smith. We'll see on a personal level how that plays out for him, but obviously doesn't bring a whole lot of positive attention to the program. So bringing in a guy who knows how to recruit to Temple and knows what it takes to win a Temple is huge. So, yeah, I think it'll be, again, I don't think any assistants coming in and going to be stealing away guys from Alabama and LSU. But, yeah, I think it's definitely when it comes to, you know, production. Look, I mean, I will say, regardless of what is happening or going to happen with Antoine Smith, the the guys did seem for the most part to to respond to his coaching style. They were an aggressive defensive front. Sure, a lot of credit there goes to DJ Elliott, but with what they had to work with, you know, I think we'd be shortchanging him a little bit if we didn't at least give him some credit uh, in terms of coaching there. We'll see what Larry gets out of the guys uh, on the line as a coach, but again, it's familiar territory for him. So I think it's a it's a it's a good hire. It's a good. He's hire. very much a he's very much a stand type of guy. Knows the area. Um, and he worked under a guy in Jeff Collins who had some screws loose. And you look at Drayton's staff. Drayton loves guys that's got a little bit of 
craziness to them because mm-hmm. he's got a disciplinarian thing to him that attracts him. I, the, the smartest coaches understand this in all of college sports. And and McKee got it. Drayton gets it. Dumpf got it. You want to recruit a kid, the easiest way to do it is when their parents over, especially mom. If dad's around, you sell him on the fact that you're the disciplinarian and, and you sell mom on your school, you're getting the kid. And that's like Stan's sort of way. And his position coaches have a lot to do with it. Um, and if Larry worked under a guy like Jeff Collins, who had success at Temple, he'll fit in seamlessly to Drayton's staff. So, like you said, great hire. Well, you win the parents, and then also, as we know, NIL helps too. So, Oh, yeah, uh, that too. That too. Um, uh, second question here from TJ Clark with three official visits coming this weekend. And I think that's three that TJ – knew of at the time of posing his question here with three official visits coming this weekend. Who do we have the best chance of getting a commitment from? Um, You know, I don't want to give away all of the visits here because Kyle has the names of, um, of a few guys who are coming in. Um, Yeah. Some of this stuff is stuff that Kyle has sourced out. Some of the stuff that's, that's uh, that's public that's, that's out there. Um, So I don't want to give away all the names. I, I mean, one guy that, I think we're a little bit more familiar with that. I will touch on again without giving away the whole list of guys uh, as a guy named Bryson Goodwin. Uh, again, if you're a, a an Al Scoop subscriber, uh, Johnny wrote about him. Johnny's a whiz like wrote about him back in mid to late April. He's down at, at Jesuit high school in Tampa. And again, that is familiar recruiting ground for, for Temple. You know, Chris Weezyhan has, has recruited down there and, um, so I mean that's that's familiar recruiting ground for them. He seemed pretty high on on Temple when he talked to Johnny. Granted, of course, recruits can be high and optimistic on more than than one program. So um, we know that. But do they have a solid chance at him? Yeah, I mean this is around the time when you start seeing some commitments, if not a little sooner. And again, things have changed a little bit more in the world of recruiting now, where. I think if any high school recruit is getting good advice, their high school coach is saying to them, hey, coaches are no longer just taking the max of, of 25 guys or over-recruiting and taking 28 high school guys and, and banking on a few guys not qualifying. I think any good coach is telling his kid, hey, take that number. I don't want to say slice it in half, but know that maybe depending on a team's needs and a program's needs, they might be looking at eight or nine or 10 guys in the portal. So don't think that offer is going to be there forever, even if it's coming from a team that went three and nine last year. So again, Temple's had some recruiting wins in Florida. So I would say Bryson Goodwin is a um a name to keep an eye on, you know, just because of the the success they've had in that area and at his high school. We'll see. Um another question here, similar one with with realignment talks kicking up again. Do you see Temple online for any potential move to another conference? Again, while I have said that we don't necessarily have our finger on the pulse of of national conference realignment coverage, I just have not been told anything. I hate to disappoint you, TJ Clark. I have not been told anything reliable from the sources we do have that say, hey, you know, Temple's in the mix here. I mean, I remember, again, it's a, you know, 2023 is different than 
2012 or 2013, different times, different factors and, and variables in, in college sports now, but there's no smoke, you know, I mean, Temple made its pitch several years ago with Pat Kraft to the big 12 and there was a little bit there and they were at least in the conversation unless there is something we're really overlooking now. I mean, Temple just doesn't seem positioned for a potential move to another conference, but could they be in another year or two? We'll see. Like Javon said, it would certainly help. Ding, ding, ding. If they win, if they start bringing, you know, if they start building up more uh, with their, with their NIL collectives and, and getting help there and, you know, just creating a little bit more juice, you know? Um, so we'll see the opportunities there in terms of you have a couple of relatively new coaching hires, obviously Adam Fisher's brand new Stan Drayton is heading into a second season, but no, nothing, nothing reliable there that would say they're, they're in the mix. But if, if there's one thing that's weird and gets weirder every year, it's conference realignment talk. So, you know, look at UConn, they were happy to get back into the big East, they go independent for football. This is where they wanted to be. They seem really happy. I mean, they just want a freaking national championship instead of kicking their feet up and saying, yeah, we're happy with where they are. They're at least entertaining talks from the big 12. And then you're hearing people saying, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's not a good fit. It is an exhausting ongoing thing, but not a single person I trust has brought up Temple's name when I put out feelers about conference realignment talk. So hate to burst your bubble there, but that's where we are. Apparently, Jim Moore Jr. wants the Big 12. He thinks he can compete in the Big sure. 12. Sure. I mean, well, I mean, hey, tip your cap to him. Did a fairly good job this season, you know? And and that's the other thing, too. Yes, you have some athletic departments that are all on the same page, and they're just a finely tuned machine across the board. But, yeah, it, it's not unusual at several athletic departments across the country for – the football coaches to be thinking one thing and the basketball coaches to be thinking another thing. You know, I mean, again, UConn's a great example of that. They probably wanted to stay in the Big East. Then when the American became the American, I mean, hey, yeah, I mean, they won a title under Kevin Ollie and in the American, which was, hey, feather in the cap for the American. But they wanted to be back in, in they wanted to be back in, in uh, the Big East for basketball. And I'm sure the football staff at the time thought, well, we don't want to go independent. We're going to get our butts kicked. If you're not playing in a conference, you're it's, they're not Notre Dame. They're not going to be Notre Dame. They don't have the following of, uh, and they don't have just the, the staying power of being an independent. So yeah, I mean, Jim Moore is probably going to be like, yeah, we could benefit from being in the big 12. I don't want to be an independent and who knows, maybe Danny Hurley will ultimately say, Hey, love the big East. I grew up on the big East, but it's exciting being in the big 12. So it is, uh, Trying to cover it, it will definitely stretch your brain in 15 million different directions. So we shall see. But I feel bad for those flights. I'll tell you that right now. That's the other thing, too, that people ask. You know, sometimes I've been told as a reporter, like, hey, I know you guys don't always think of this, but depending on the athletic director, depending on the administration, if they say they care about their student athletes, I mean, the the one piece of criticism that the American takes among others is you really tax these student athletes. These are not easy trips. That's not an easy flight. You know, kids are are still kids. They're not as resilient as we think. You know, if you're playing in the American and you're playing at SMU one minute, then you're going to Tulsa and you're going to be going to UTSA in the future and FAU, like you, where are the regional rivalries? That piece of it in terms of regional rivalries, I get sick of it because I'd say, oh, like how many people were packing the Leah Core Center 
or would be packing the Leah Cora Center right now to see Temple Davidson. But yeah, the travel's a lot. And that's something they think about. But I think those days are gone. Like the the regional conferences, you know, the Big East truly being the Big East, those days are over. Like Butler is not, you know, Indiana's not on the East Coast. So it is it's something. Covering it is something, but yeah, again, to reiterate the point we've been making, would love to gas you guys up and say, oh yeah, we're starting to hear some chatter, just not. I'll tell you what, when the college football game comes out next year and you can make the conferences what you want, my conferences will be regionally aligned. You can, you can, you can bet your bottom dollar on that. Because you're old school. And you just said bet your bottom dollar. So you're, you're quoting Annie now. Yeah, we're, we're going. He's an old man. Well, (laughs) thanks for joining us for another episode. Big thank you to Jaleel White for joining us and for, our sponsors at the scoop greenspan and the greenspan injury lawyers we got a big episode coming up next week uh, a slice of uh, a very important interview that we'll be playing for you guys how's that for a teaser so um looking forward to podcasting with you guys again next week boys congratulations on your new jobs right thank you very kindly love yes thank you and uh we'll talk to everybody soon